good to good to be with you this morning. I uh, this is my first time back. I've been, of course, like most of you, home. But one of the advantages of this uh, the virus for me is that I have been able to uh, check in on several worship services on Sunday morning. So I'll skip around and go to different, uh, you know, some of them Facebook Live, some of them have been recorded during the week and they're on YouTube or various other things. And I've really enjoyed that, but I was telling Pastor Willis a few minutes ago that, uh, that and Mallory, that it, it, it kind of gotten to the place where I would skip around to eight or ten or twelve worship services on a Sunday morning, and Sunday afternoon I'd just be blah, you know, I would just, and I really wouldn't get fed with any of them because I was so anxious to see, well, I wonder what this church is doing, or I wonder what they're doing, and, uh, and then by the end of it, I, I, so actually the last few weeks I've been a little more selective and trying to, trying to not do quite as many, but it has been a challenge. It's been a challenge for all of us, uh, but we've learned. I, I think uh, hopefully all of us have learned. I was talking with Mallory a few minutes ago that, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've, like many of you, I've got Zoom fatigue, I think. I've just been Zoomed to death, but I've learned how to do it, and I've got an account, and I've been doing Zoom with pastors every week, and and having guys, quite a few guys, in fact, check in as much as anything to see what other churches are doing and how other pastors are handling it. And uh, a lot of other uh, things happening online. Uh, you know, I and, and again, this is kind of a funny story, but yet it's an indication of how we can learn through this. We, we were probably, this has been several weeks ago, we were a few weeks into, into the quarantine when my wife Robbie was actually, uh, our, our bedroom faces the main street and she's got a couple of chairs there by the window where she does her quiet time and does a lot of reading and even other things. So one morning, pretty early, she was looking out the uh, window as she was just reading and doing several things in the chair and two doors up, We've got, we've got a wonderful neighborhood, but two doors up, she all at once saw the neighbor's wife uh, come, the, the neighbor wife come storming out of the house and just go marching down the street. Just, I mean, she was getting out of that house and getting away. And, uh, you know, we didn't know what happened, but there was obviously some tension in the house. Well, just a few minutes later, out the front door runs the husband. And he cuts through the neighborhood, through two houses right across the street, obviously to meet her. And then uh, a few minutes later, they come walking back together. Well, we've noticed that, oh, the last week or so, they're, they're out. And, and I'd seen him ride a bike before, but I'd never seen her ride a bike in the neighborhood. But every morning about the time Robbie and I are walking, they're riding a bike together in the neighborhood. So whatever tension was going on, they've kind of taken another step, probably in communication, to help uh, avoid that. Well, I think we all know, uh, you know, we've all had a little of that, but the key is to learn from it. And my hope and, and prayer is that we all can learn, our churches can learn. I've been amazed at how well our churches have done during this time is the is the American Filipino church meeting again have you all started to meet again uh, pastor orley today you're going to meet today okay great 
Very, very good. By the way, are you still doing photography? Okay. We, with the association, I thought about that. I thought, my goodness, we've wanted to do, get with you and have you do photography for us at the association. We need to get back with you as things clear up on this. But, uh, well, I, I, uh, I want to, I want to, uh, share a message with you this morning that I hope will be an encouragement for each of us during these challenging days, not only with this COVID-19, but with this other tragedy and this other stuff that's happening in our culture right now uh, related to race relations and and uh, the African-American community and police or authorities. Uh, but before I do that, let's bow for a word of prayer. Let's just trust these moments to the Lord. Father, I thank you for the privilege of gathering with this uh, wonderful family of faith, with the Liberty family, and just praying for them and, and for Pastor Willis as they continue to navigate these challenging days and figure out how best to do church and even basic things like when to restart Bible study and you know what to do otherwise ministry-wise and gatherings and how to use it as an opportunity to reach others and, and minister to people at this time. So just bless them and guide them as they move forward in your grace. And thank you for... Uh, this church and its rich history and its kingdom missions uh, heart and work. I pray for them as they get ready for their 175th anniversary that it would truly be a celebration, a time of thanksgiving. Guide us in your grace. Open your word to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to we're going to look at a couple of verses to begin with, but the first one is Psalm 19, verse 1. Psalm 19, verse 1, which declares, which says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. And then if you'll turn with me over to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 45, And first of all, verses 5 through 7, I read, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all things. And then skip down to verse 12. I love this verse. It says, It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. My own hand stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. The question I want us to consider, well, there's two questions this morning, but the first one I want us to consider is, how big is God? During these challenging kind of crazy days in which we live, our attention can be pulled, our focus can be pulled to look at the problems that are before us. 
How big is God? And then related to that question is this question. How big is your God? Is your God big enough to where he knows everything in the world, but yet you sometimes wonder if he even is aware of what's going on in your life? Is your God big enough to where you believe he controls world events, but sometimes you wonder if he's paying attention to what's happening to you and really cares about answering your prayers. Do you believe in a God that cares for every person's needs on the face of the earth, but sometimes you wonder if God even knows you're hurting? How big is your God? Well, let's start with the obvious. God is a big God. We read here in Psalm 19 and Isaiah 45 just how big He is. He created the earth. He hung the stars with the sweep of His hands. He is a big God. I want you to think about that with me for just a moment. We live on planet Earth. We are part of a solar system that is made up of a sun and nine planets, more or less. Astronomers sometimes debate that, but nine planets. Our solar system is a part of the Milky Way galaxy, which contains approximately 200 billion stars. Now, when we think about God hanging the heavens, I want us to get a smidgen of perspective. Do you know uh, how distance is measured in space? How we measure distance in space? It's with what is called light years. We measure distance in space by light years. That is how fast light travels in a year. When, when the first person arrived in church this morning and they flipped on the lights, the light emanated or traveled out of the light fixture at light speed. And light travels 186,000 miles a second. 186,000 miles. So if you want to know how far light travels in one year, you just multiply 186,000 times 60 seconds. That's how far it travels in a minute times 60 minutes. That's how far it travels in an hour times 24 to get a day times 365 to get a year. That's how far light travels in a year. Now from where we stand, Liberty Baptist Church, Greene County, Missouri, United States of America, planet Earth, to the middle of our Milky Way galaxy. The middle of our galaxy is 30,000 
light years. Astronomers tell us that there are between one and two billion galaxies in the universe. No, actually they tell us there are many billions of galaxies. But what they also tell us is that the distance between those galaxies, between one galaxy and the next galaxy, the distance is one to two million light years. Friends, God is a big God. He's big. He's marvelous. Fabulous. The old hymn says, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I see and hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. But just because God is a big God doesn't mean that your God or my God is a big God. Think about that for a moment. In fact, I would venture to say that for all of us, each one of us, our God is too small. Because with our human minds and our limits, we can never comprehend the true size and majesty and power of Almighty God. In fact, the Bible would tell us that our understanding of God is about equal to a teaspoon of seawater to the Pacific Ocean. Or maybe a grain of sand compared to all the beaches on the earth. Your God my God is too small. But we're not the only ones who have struggled with trying to grasp the size and the majesty of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. There were times when the apostles struggled with that as well. In Matthew chapter 17, we have an interesting story of a boy with a demon. And uh, let me just read this, these few verses, beginning with verse 14, Matthew 17, 14. And the encounter of Jesus and the Father, and then Jesus' discussion with the disciples. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Humbly, humbly knelt before the Lord Jesus. Lord, have mercy on my son, he says said, he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Interesting. Jesus said, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, 
Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will, it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, now what happened here? What, what went wrong? If you'll turn back to Matthew 10, we're not going to do that right now, but if you'll turn back to Matthew 10, you'll remember that Jesus gave power to the apostles and they went about healing in the name of Christ. They were casting out demons and healing and doing miracles. And here just a few chapters later, they're not able to heal this demon-possessed boy. We read in Matthew chapter 14 about Peter. And Jesus was walking on the water and, and Peter said, Lord, I, I want to do that. So he said, come on. So Peter jumped out of the boat and began to walk to Jesus. But then you remember what happened? He got part way, took his eyes off the Lord and began to sink in the water. An interesting story to me has always been why young shepherd David was able willing and able to take on Goliath. When his brothers, the guys that he grew up with, were there in the army with Saul, decked out, ready to fight, but they were not willing to take on the giant. We, we, I think that we get caught up in thinking about faith as the issue. People talk about, well, she just has a weak faith, or, you know, I just don't have, or they don't have enough faith, I, or I wish I had her faith. You know, every church has some, some folks in the church, and, and they say, boy, I wish I had their faith. But, you know, in reality, that's not the problem. The problem with that little lady in the church that seems to have more faith than you, that's not the issue. The reality is she may not have a lick of more faith than you do. She just has a bigger God than you do. That's the lesson of the mustard seed. You know what happened between Matthew 10 and Matthew 17 to the disciples? I think what happened was for some reason, at least in this instance, the disciples were not believing in as big a God as they were back in Matthew chapter 10. And so instead of having their focus on the Lord, they were focused on the problem. Same with Peter when he jumped out of that boat. As long as he kept his eyes on the Lord Jesus, he walked on the water. As soon as he began to look at his problem, instead of the Lord, he began to sink. And so you see, the problem is not our faith. Our struggles are not because of a lack of faith. It says all you need is a mustard seed sized faith. Our struggle is with the size of our God. When we take our eyes off the Lord, our problems grow and God gets smaller. You know, as we think about our nation at this time and the struggles we're in, 
with this disease and then with the tragedy of, of the racial tension and what's happening uh, across the country. It's just heartbreaking. And it, it, you know, quite frankly, no human person has the answer. Uh, you know, one piece of the answer is to understand that we are all sinners. Everyone sins, and we all come short of God's glory. And so we have to be ready to approach life and approach problems like that with humility and that understanding. But as we look at these problems, none of them are too big for God. None of them are beyond his capability to handle. But the issue and the focus has to be on God, not even our faith. That's another, that's another whole story and whole sermon. Our culture, you know, talks a lot about faith, but not much about God. People say, well, I'm a person of faith. Well, what does that mean? And so the issue is not faith. In fact, faith itself can even be a distraction. Some, some people, a lot of us, in fact, we approach faith kind of like the football, you know, the football coach at halftime when his team is losing. You know, he gives them this big pep talk. You can do it. You can do it. Get after it. Get after it. We're going to go out there and kick them this second half. Well, sometimes we're guilty of doing the same thing. You know, if you just had more faith, just had more faith, just, you know, kind of give each other a pep talk. Well, that's not what we need. What we need is to take our focus off our problems and put our focus on the Lord. And then let the God of the universe be our God. Help us understand who He is. His majesty, His power. The mustard seed story is not about faith, but it's about the object of our faith. Faith is only as strong as its object. You see, you may have big faith. You may say, well, I have big faith. What's my problem? Well, you may have big faith, but your faith may be in a small God. The other person, someone may just have mustard seed size faith. But if that faith is in a big God, wow, what that person can accomplish. In just a few minutes, our service will end and we'll dismiss. I'm going to go get my, uh, my old pilot out there. It's got nearly 285,000 miles on it. And that car is, the brakes on that car have never failed. Been, been good brakes. Of course, I've had them replaced a, a few times, but the brakes have never failed. But let's just suppose that when I get in the car in a few minutes, I pull out, you know, pull around, drive around the lake and out toward 13 and, and I mean 65 and, uh, yeah, 65 and I'm about to, pull out on the road and there's cars coming so I put the brakes on and reach over to put the brakes on but there's no brakes my foot goes all the way to the floor brake pedal just right to the floor I, I've had that car so long the brakes have never failed me that quite honestly I have huge faith in those brakes in fact I'll move that foot over unconsciously because I am so confident those brakes are going to engage but, but if that were to happen, if that happens and, and that brake pedal goes to the floor and I have no brakes, 
Now what good does my faith do me? I've got big faith, huge faith, but it's in a worthless object. Your faith is only as strong or only as good or only as valuable in its object. What are your eyes on during this challenging time? What what problems are you worried about? What challenges do you focus on? What fears consume you? Or are you keeping your focus on the Lord? Trusting in Him. Trusting in Him for your own life and family. Trusting in Him for the future of your church. Trusting in Him for the future of our nation. It's easy for us to succumb to fear, worry. I've been there, struggle with that. But the answer is to get our focus off our problems, place our focus and faith on Almighty God, and learn who God truly is, worship and follow a big God. How big is your God? Bow with me for prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning, Lord. What a blessing to gather with this wonderful family of faith. Thank you, Lord, for just this great church again and their history and future. Thank you for their pastor and leaders. Lord, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to you, big God, creator, sustainer, savior, redeemer. Thank you, Father, for who you are. And may we take our mustard-sized faith and put put it in you, Lord, big, mighty, awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor.